I would just say broadly, uh, just just to reach out. Uh, uh, nobody should be doing this alone. What the data suggests is that people wait for a very long time, sometimes for a crisis, before they reach out, and and that's just the worst time to for us or anyone to be helpful. Reach out early, even if you if you don't think you need any help or nothing can be done at this point, just to become informed. So the, the truly, the earlier the better. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Good afternoon, care heroes. With me today is Alex Morris. She is with the Alzheimer's Association, Northern California, Northern Nevada Division. That is my chapter. And she is the professional training services person. I think I got that right. Did I get that right, Alex? (laughs) Professional training specialist. Specialist. Okay. I was like, I got halfway through and I went, whoops. So she's going to talk to us today about the savvy caregiver training that the association puts on. I recently participated in their accelerated version. This is normally a 12-hour class. I got six hours, and Alex, has I've been told, is talented enough to give you highlights in about 45 minutes. So thanks for joining me today, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very happy to talk about Savvy. I've been involved in Savvy since uh, the beginning. So our chapter adopted Savvy in 2008. I believe uh, the Alzheimer's Association adopted it a few years before in 2005. It is now considered part of our core curriculum and many chapters offer savvy, which I think is incredible. It is a evidence-based program, which means we know it works. It is, it comes in a six week and three week format. Sounds like you went through the three week Mm -hmm. accelerated course. Uh, I of course prefer the six weeks. We get more time together. We get to do more interactive things uh, with participants. There's deeper learning. And the learning seems to stick, which is what we always want. Uh, However, I understand some of the challenges with stressed out, already overburdened caregivers finding six straight weeks in a row to commit to driving to and participating in a two-hour class and then driving back. Uh, The six-hour, sorry, the six-week course can be hard to fill, unfortunately, because of those challenges, which is why uh, we, with the original developers, Ken Hepburn and his uh, colleagues, the Alzheimer's Association uh, created Savvy Express, which we call evidence-informed uh, rather than evidence-based. Still, uh, our, some of our highest-rated education that we offer here at the chapter Uh, We always get incredible feedback, and I can say that humbly because I didn't develop the curriculum. I didn't write the manual. Uh, A manual comes with it, by the way, and that is well-received. You read the manual, right? Yes, I did. What did you think? It was very good. As the listeners know, my mom is definitely in the latter stages of Alzheimer's, but I, I personally got stuff out of it, and there was... I'm trying to remember, there was at least 10, if not a dozen people in my class 
And there was one gal that made it the first and third time. And so there was, most of us made all three classes. There was a couple people that didn't. So that's why I'm having a difficult time remembering how many people were in it. And everybody loved it. And one gal actually did take the six week class. And then basically, I think that was when her loved one was first diagnosed or earlier on in the disease. And then this three-week class was kind of a refresher. And she said the six weeks was definitely better, but the three weeks was really good. So, and there was one gal that was literally coming on her lunch break. And she said, there's no way she could have done the six weeks. And she got a lot out of the three. So nobody's felt cheated that it was shorter. Oh, good. Uh, That's really good feedback. I'm super happy to hear that. So Savvy was designed for hands-on caregivers. As you know, we go through a screening process. It's not appropriate for professionals or paraprofessionals. And fortunately, we already have, we have lots of education. We have conferences. A big part of my job is to train professionals. So there's plenty uh, available for professionals. There's plenty available for long distance caregivers. Savvy is really tailored for folks who are week after week uh, providing hands-on care, interaction with the person with dementia because there's uh, uh, homework, as you know. Mm-hmm. So, so every week, the expectation is we, we teach, we, we do role plays, we watch videos, we do interactive exercises, there's opportunities to practice in the classroom setting. And then folks are expected to go home and do the homework. So part of the homework is reading the manual, which I agree with you. Uh, I think it's really well written and approachable. And I hear that a lot from family caregivers, how helpful it is. It's helpful just to have something written in black and white that validates your experiences. Uh, so folks go home, they, they, they read the manual and they do the exercise exercises that we ask of them, uh, at least when they have time. And I understand, again, life interferes. Caregivers are very busy people. Sometimes they can't do the homework or all the homework. and That's okay. As you know, as adult learners, the more you put into something, the more you get out of it. And this is certainly what we hear uh, from Savvy. The first part of the subsequent classes, so beyond the first class, we review the homework we talk about what what they learned or 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 about what was validated in the manual, and we talk about the exercises. And we spend a fair amount of time in the beginning of the subsequent classes reviewing the homework. So, for example, uh, maybe we taught you some techniques on uh, organizing. We call it structure and support. Organizing t- an activity to be more successful for your person living with dementia, uh, taking into account their interests, their skill set, where they are in this disease, understanding that that's variable uh, based on person-to-person, situation-to-situation, and even from morning till evening, we understand that completely. So looking at the person, looking at how we introduce it, uh, the words that we use, and how do we structure it is... Is everything that we need in the same room? Can we go from room to room? Can we do this or that? Um, I'll give you a concrete example. One of the things that, one of the interactive things we do in in the group is 
we pretend that you're a volunteer at an adult daycare setting. And we give you a person, a fictional person. And for example, this person, one of them is Mrs. L and she's a library, former librarian, avid traveler, prize winning gardener. And she's early stage. You know, what, what kinds of things could you do with her? And a, a lot of the time people say gardening projects, uh, that comes up a lot. And I asked them, so she's early stage and she knows a lot about this. Could you take her to the nursery? Absolutely. You could take her to the nursery. She could explain the kinds of plants and why she's picking out certain plants. So that's what we mean by skill set um, and, and is it how big that project and how complicated that project might be based on where the person is in the disease. So that's just, that's just one example of a of homework is made maybe to do a, an art project or um, a, a, a building project or just household tasks with your person to kind of see with the new skills that you're learning how that might go. So can I ask you, did you uh, participate in that piece of Savvy? Did you do something with your mom? Um, no, we didn't. We watched a video that basically tracked different people at different stages as being asked to do certain tasks, like make a sandwich, which I think is an excellent example of the challenges of memory loss. You know, as you know, sometimes... Improper nutrition is actually one of the, you know, early signs of something's going on because making a sandwich is a lot of steps. And so they demonstrated how this gal had to keep walking this woman through. Can you make me a ham and cheese sandwich? And in the early stages, it wasn't a problem. And she was able to have a conversation with the um, physical therapist that was conducting the I don't want to say experiment that sounds kind of assessment there you go that's a much better word and you know that's what we did let me think um because my mom is really in the later stages there's what my mom and I do is we go people watching only we like she likes to watch young people I try not to say we go out and watch kids because that sounds very terrible (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we do. We go to the pool and the park and we go, we go find children to go watch and, and do stuff with because she, her visual processing is shot and her memory is, uh, I'm not even sure it's a minute at this point. Like yesterday I was suggesting, well, I told her, I said, oh, you were going to change shirts before we go to the pool because it's really hot outside and that shirt's probably going to be a little too warm. Oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. And then immediately does not know what we're doing. And I actually had to physically grab the front of her shirt and said, take this off. And she's like, Oh, okay. And then she goes, yes, mother, which is annoying. (laughs) But she was trying to put the short sleeve t-shirt on over the other shirt. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of new. And I know from taking the class and from dealing with her that if I give her instructions, not going to be very successful, even though it's really frustrating. (laughs) 
because she resents it, which I understand. And I don't know if I've told you, she doesn't remember who I am. She's comfortable with me. She knows she's safe with me and she knows that we go do fun things. So she's, she's all good with that. But when we were at the pool yesterday watching kids, she's like, oh, I wish my children were here. And it's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> it's like, ouch. Yeah, that happens. That happens. Yeah. And when I remind her, I'm like, but I'm your oldest kid. Don't I count? And she just looks at me like confused and baffled. And then she gets irritated because she's confused and baffled. So um, I've given up trying to actually physically do things other than we will walk in the park if it's still because I go early afternoon. So if it's still school year, it's much more difficult to find children to go watch, which like I said, that really sounds creepy. Um, But now in the summer, you know, we can go almost anywhere and kids are out doing fun things like swimming or running around in the park. But in in the school year, we, we go walk at the regional park and we look at the clouds and the trees That's a, that's the extent of her abilities at this point. So savvy is, as you're saying, is actually, if you can, uh, more helpful if you can enroll and take savvy in the earlier and moderate stages, because you're right. Um, it's harder uh, to do various things with your person in late stage, even though it sounds like you're, you're being quite successful at it. An example I want to give from my one of my most recent savvies is there was a gentleman and he described his wife as early and she was pretty early, not as early as he originally thought, which is something we also talk about a lot is the stages of where your person is. Uh, but he said, uh, he came, we were reviewing the homework and I said, so what did you decide to do? He goes, you know, oddly enough, I decided that I needed to address the dinner issue. I said, okay, what do you mean? He said, well, my wife stopped eating dinner. And I realized from the savvy classes that what I, how I was approaching it was too big and complex for her. So he said, what I did is I would say, and this is what we've kind of always done, at least for the most recent past, is I'll say, honey, what do you want for dinner? And, she, and what she would say is, oh, nothing, I'm not very hungry. And then later on in the evening, she'd be rummaging for sweets. So he said, you know, this, her pattern had completely changed. Her, her, it wasn't good to eat sweets later in the evening, all of these things, right? So he said, after listening and reading, uh, I realized that the concept of dinner was too big for her. So what I say now is, what I've been doing this week, what I say now is, hey, I'm going to make chicken and some asparagus for dinner. How does that sound? And she said, yeah, okay. And then she sits at the table. He just announces, okay, dinner's ready. And they sit together and they eat the meal. So now she's eating at a more appropriate time, the healthier choices and not rummaging around for ice cream or cookies later. And he realizes it was all about just that one statement, honey, what do you want for dinner? And often it really boils down to something so essential. It's all about approach. You said your mom doesn't like being told what to do. And by the way, who does? True. Yeah. So, so a lot of what we talk about in Savvy and a lot of what we teach just broadly in our support groups and other education and care consultations is how can we make things happen without appearing to be bossy? 
how can we make things happen without making um, creating a dynamic where the person might feel foolish or um, a little embarrassed because they didn't realize that you didn't mean for them to take off the not, you didn't mean for them to put the shirt on top of the shirt yeah. you wanted her to change the shirt right and so perhaps I mean I wasn't there but perhaps an alternative might be well why don't we put this, this on let's take this off first so you know again we try different techniques we see how it goes we do our best not to appear instructive but rather more conversational like he was hey I'm going to make some chicken and asparagus for dinner is that okay so sometimes our folks prefer to have choices. So would you like this or this? We, it's really, we're really detectives and we're really just being ultra sensitive to how they're responding to a particular request or situation. I, so, I do have an example that probably came from what I learned in the Savvy course. For whatever reason, and the last, about two months ago, mom dipped again in her cognitive awareness which you know is to be expected and she has now resumed being resistant to showers and the caregiver who is in charge of that is pulling her hair out last week we went to the pool we got in the water waited around sat on the edge and knowing that she hadn't showered on sunday which is one of her two days when we got back to the residence I said, oh, hey, um, you said you wanted to take a shower and wash off the chlorine and the dirt and the sweat and all that. It wasn't all of that in one sentence because I had to repeat the sentence multiple times. And it (laughs) it took a few times of, oh, weren't you going to get in the shower and wash off the chlorine? Multiple times of that. I did get her in the shower. And it was interesting because the caregiver said, if she hands mom a soaped up washcloth, mom doesn't know what to do with it. I did that and she was fine. I mean, I think she washed some parts multiple times and maybe other parts not so much, but she washed the important stuff multiple times. I thought that was good. So I didn't, I didn't interfere with that. And then I said something, I don't remember exactly how I approached it, but I asked her if she wanted me to wash her hair. I said, don't, won't that feel nice if, you know, I wash it for you and I actually managed to wash her hair too. And I was I was surprised because she's extremely resistant with me. I don't really know why because I never tell her what to do. I learned that from the support group that you guys facilitate for us. And it was successful and I was really excited because as I was leaving, you know, I got her all dressed and, and sat her in the dining room because it was their dinner time. And I, as I was leaving, the, the director of the memory residence was talking to one of the med techs and I said, oh, hey... And she goes, oh, is there a problem? And I said, no, actually, there's not. (laughs) (laughs) Tell Kumba, I got mom in the shower and washed her hair and all that good stuff. So, you know, I just, I I had that little little stroke of genius and the phraseology came to me and it worked. Now, it might not work again. I didn't try it. Well, yesterday we didn't get in the water, so I didn't feel it was necessary, but I don't know that the phraseology would have popped into my head as easily if I hadn't done the savvy class. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. And, and since her, her memory, like you said, late stage, so likely her memory, short-term memory is quite impaired. 
you might be able to use the pool thing every time you want her to bathe, whether or not she went in the pool. That's what so she may not remember. That's true. So I want to be sure I cover some of the highlights of the savvy class. So there's opportunities to practice new skills and communication, which is what we just, it happens just like we've been doing it very organically. You'll relay or the participant will relay a story and then the facilitator will say, well, you know, maybe next time you could try it this way or that way. And other participants will kind of chime in too. Um, it becomes very supportive over time. Um, and certainly behavior modification techniques. There's a decision-making tool in Savvy. There's a model to assess caregiver stress and burden and techniques on how to manage that. And there's also tools to include other family who are not involved or, or could be more involved. I will say Savvy is one of our most diverse programs. Uh, we have been fortunate. We have a, a deep bench here in Northern California, Northern Nevada, and we have colleagues who have successfully translated Savvy uh, to be more culturally and language appropriate for African-American, Chinese, uh, and Hispanic families. And as I said earlier, uh, Savvy is composed of adult children, such as yourself, spouses, and the occasional very close family friend, no, no professionals, it's really not appropriate. And I want to just read something, an email that I just got a week ago from a recent class. So this is when, when we did, there's an exercise, a fairy godmother exercise, where the facilitator says, I'm your fairy godmother. Here's a piece of paper. I'm going to ask you to open in a moment. How much time did I give you? And the time ranges from 15 minutes to, I think, a week. So like an hour or three hours a day, et cetera. And the idea is to have people thinking about what I can do for myself to meet my needs because you are just as important as the person you're caring for. You're responsible for another human being in many ways. So let's think about if you have 15 minutes, if 15 minutes shows up, what might you do to take care of yourself rather than do that extra chore? So this lady, uh, she did the exercise and this is what she wrote. I just want you to know that the self-care exercise we did had a huge impact. I love my imagined escape so much that I'm making it happen, which wasn't easy. Next Wednesday, I leave for five days to the beach, and I already have a massage appointment there, too. This getaway just might save my life. Thank you for the inspiration. And this is just isolated. All the trainers get comments like this. On a, on a regular basis. Uh, I think Savvy is a terrific curriculum. It offers you know, many opportunities for people to interact. People often exchange phone numbers and emails and stay in touch after Savvy. They often, if they haven't already, join a support group or get more involved with the Alzheimer's movement, which, which I think is very positive. We're not in, none of us are in this alone. None of us, actually, whether you're a caregiver or not, um, we're all dealing with this on some level or another. So this, I, I just wanted to make sure that I covered some of the really you know, positive attributes of Savvy. The, the three mantras that we talk about is take control, just don't do something, stand there, and so what? And you alluded to these when you were sharing some of your examples the take control is, yet we encourage folks to take a clinical step back, and that's not easy because it's your parent or 
your spouse or someone very dear to you, but to take a clinical step back and think about what's really happening here and how can I change or what could change about the situation or the environment to really help my person instead of me just pushing and pushing and pushing and hoping for a different result. So taking control, uh, just don't uh, do something, stand there is about that clinical step back and just looking at the situation, what could I be doing differently? And the so what means sometimes, and I'll pick on myself, before I had children, uh, I was a very orderly, organized individual. Everything had a place and everything was in that place. And I had lists of things to do and I was very proud of myself when those things got done, et cetera, et cetera. Then I started having children and I fought against that for a while and I was unhappy and my husband was unhappy. My kids were unhappy when finally I just accepted it doesn't matter whether I get all five of these things done today. It doesn't matter if tonight they have cereal and fruit for dinner. It, it Ultimately, some of these things that I held so dear and thought were so important really didn't matter. And if we can just focus on the most important things and take everything else a little less seriously, our blood pressure goes down, our irritability goes down, and life just seems to go so much better. The, um, the fairy godmother exercise, we did do that. That was homework. And even though my mom is in a memory residence, it was beneficial to me. I visit her on Mondays, you know, and Mondays are full. I go to the gym, I come home, I shower, dress, I go to our rotary meeting, which is an hour and a half, and then I go see my mom for a couple of hours. Last week with the shower success, it was closer to three. And when I got home, I was physically drained, mentally drained. Even though it had been a very good day, it was just draining. And I know that there are things I have to do to kind of alleviate that feeling so that when I wake up Tuesday, I'm ready to do my stuff and take care of my life and my businesses and all that good stuff. Because there have been times that I have dealt with her on Mondays and woken up on Tuesdays, and I still feel like the truck ran over me and left me in the street. And I, that gets hard when you have things to do. You can't just, you know, lay around on the couch and read books or whatever just because you don't feel like doing anything mentally and physically. So that was a really good exercise because it helped to remind me of what I need, what I can do. We had five minutes, 15 minutes, half hour, hour, a day, a week, I think was the inc time increments. And then let's see, what else did we do? Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Okay, good. It got really quiet and I'm like, uh-oh. I'm being a good listener. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and one of the other, there was, let's see, I think half of the savvy class are also very regular regulars in the support group. So we did our last savvy class and then I think it was the following week um, that our support group met. And so we just sort of felt like old alumni all in the trenches together. And I think knowing each other quite well helped. And I know one gal was, she was the gal that was taking the class on her lunch break. She said, this is all about how we're thinking and how we respond. It was like, it was basically training us, not trying to fix our person. 
Yeah, that's absolutely correct because as you know all too well, we can't. They have a brain disease. The changes that are happening are not their fault. We're never going to be able to fix them, so to speak. I had a family member, one of my support groups, I led a support group for 20 years, and she, she was um, uh, she just looked worn out and tired, and um, she seemed to be really beating herself up, and I, and I kind of dug around a little bit, and finally it came out. She said, I said, what, what is it that's dragging you down? And she said, I just feel like I'm failing my mom because she's not getting any better. Oh, dear. I know. And I said, oh, my gosh, oh, we need to rephrase that. It's not about our person getting better, unfortunately, not yet, not until we have a treatment. It's about quality of life and, and doing being together and and getting through this as best as we can, just one day at a time, and appreciating what is lovely around us and, and laughing together. It sounds like you do a lot of that with your mom. We focus very much on the present. Let's do that. We're supposed to do that anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Let's focus on being present. Uh, I, I tell a story. There's a gal. I used to run an adult daycare center, and I used to drive the van on Mondays. And one Monday, I was driving a small van. I was driving the van. I picked up this beautiful gal. Her name was Anne. She's in the backseat. And I'm driving, thinking about my route and pedestrians and flows of traffic and and try not to hit people and, you know, all of that, right? What am I going to do when I get into the office? All that busy, busy brain stuff. And she says from the backseat, hey, Alex, this was in the fall. Hey, Alex, did you see that tree with all those colors? The, the leaves, they were red and orange and yellow and green and, and how the sun was flickering through the leaves. It was, it's beautiful. And I thought, who is the person in this car with the brain problem? <laughs> because it's not her right now. She's totally engaged in her environment and so loving this beauty all around her and and i'd like i didn't stop i you know i said yeah i did look i said yes we were pretty bad i was driving but i thought you know i would like to think now that i'm evolved enough where i could pull aside the car and sit and enjoy that with whomever my person whoever i'm with i'd like to think i'm that evolved as evolved as she was in that moment and I tell families, yeah, we talk about loss and yeah, we talk about different stages and decline and it's all so hard. And if we can shift our frame of reference just for some of the time to the joy that they can still experience and still give, then they're, they're so much better off and so are we. Taking my mom out was sort of a self-preservation because she's very physically capable. She doesn't need any walking aids. And, you know, she, until, like I said, two months ago, I don't want to say conversational. She was better at it than she is now. But I, there was times when sitting in the courtyard of the residence, you know, I'd end up like in conversation, so to speak, air quotes there with four of them. And it just, it was like too much. And in the winter, when it's hard to get out and go places because it's wet and it's cold and, you know, the kids are in school, so it's kind of hard to go watch them enjoying life. 
it just, it kind of just became the thing like, we need to get out of here because she needs a break. And I don't want to sit here and listen to her ask me the same question every two minutes. And I had an, an interesting experience on social media. I know people think Twitter is horrible. And I, I had put out there that I needed something different to do with my mom because she, of the stage that she's in, we've gone to, there's two regional parks close by and we go to this one and we can drive up and look at the hills and the mountain and all the beautiful nature, which she loves. But we've done it enough times that I realized that she says the same thing in the same place every single time. And I was like, okay, I'm over that. And I, so I put out on Twitter, you know, I got to come up with something different to do with mom. You know, Hey, if you guys have ideas, let me know. And people that follow my account know that I like to take mom likes to look at the trees and the sky and nature. And, and that's definitely good for us. Uh Oh, did I lose you? Yes, you did for just a moment. I'm sorry about that. Okay. I think it's okay. Cause I was talking, so we'll just continue. <laughs> um, so I was talking about, about your mom and uh, trying to find things to do with her during the winter and going to a regional park and kind of looking out the window. Did I get the gist of it? Yes. So I was on Twitter and I was looking for something different because she um, says the same thing at the like, it's almost like mile marker number one, mom will say, this is so amazing. You know, mile marker number two, you know, it's so big. It's like, after a while, you're like, I'm going to drive this car off the cliff because I can't take this anymore. <laughs> so I, I threw it out on Twitter. Hey, how, you know, what do you guys like to do with your person? You know, because I'm looking for something different and knowing that mom liked to look at nature. This person who was literally across the country said, Hey, why don't you take your mom to this nursery that's here in my hometown you know, and just look at the plants. And I'm like, that's a really good idea. And I hadn't thought of it. Now, the nursery is east of my house and mom is west. So it would be like a lot of driving, which isn't always fun with her. But it's like, well, just just because we can't practically go to that specific spot. Now I can take her to, you know, Lowe's and look at all of the garden stuff that's there now. Although we haven't managed to do that yet, but it's, you know, it's always an option, you know, maybe in the fall when the kids are back in school. So it was, I thought it was just really interesting that, you know, people helped out with ideas, oh, even though they were across the country. I mean, they literally sent a link to this place. I'm like, oh, I know where that is. <laughs> I drive by there frequently. You know, as we said, we're all in this together, right? Mm -hmm. um, so whether it's through social media or support groups or, or you know, whatever, um, getting ideas. There's lots of people out there with lots of nice ideas. Uh, sometimes I have someone I work with and uh, she likes nature. Most of us do. Uh, and so I went and I just bought some really inexpensive books of California or just, you know, Yosemite and other national parks. And when we can't go outside, and I admit it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't happen that often here in California. We are very spoiled. <laughs> Uh, it is nice to sit and look at the pictures. Uh, we also look at photographs. Oh my gosh, there's just so many ideas. I love the lows and looking at the flowers. I think that's great. I, I have uh, a student that takes 
someone to local museums. Uh, so there's a lot of choices if we're open to them uh, to doing things with our person. I think it's great that you're willing to explore those things. Yeah, I talked to a guest on art therapy for older adults, and she's like, well, you know, just take her to a local art gallery and just look at what's on the walls. And I'm like, oh, hey, I've got a friend that has one here. Now, my hometown is tiny, so I know you're where you guys, where your office is, isn't, isn't bigger than here. But we do have an art gallery. Unfortunately, it's not open on Mondays. <laughs> we drove all the way over oh. there, and I'm like, oh, poop. <laughs> That was a good idea, but because her visual processing is so bad, I, she can't, I'd have to have a big picture book because like, if you try to show something to her on like a photograph on your phone, her brain is, does not translate that very well. And sometimes like yesterday when we were at the pool, they had one deeper pool that had the floating they called them lily pads. They're like big floating pieces of foam. And the idea was to hop across these lily pads to the other side of the pool without falling in. So that was pretty funny to watch. And I kept pointing out, I mean, they're really large, dark blue in the pale blue water. And she didn't seem to, she didn't seem to connect with them visually, which I thought was really interesting because we were standing right there. We'd get any closer. We'd been getting wet. So, you know, it's, that's one of the reasons I like to take her out in nature because that's so big that, you know, even if you just go to a regular park, the trees are big, the sky is big, it's easy for her to see. And, you know, and I've, I've noticed a serious decline in its mental ability, but it affects her physically. And I don't know that we'll be going out for walks in the spring of next year. So I'm trying to do as much of those as I can because of that awareness. I hope mm. that's not the case, but she gets really funny with shadows. It's, it's sad, but it's funny. And yesterday she was walking around, you know, where the deck had gotten wet. It was dark versus the light colored deck. So she's literally hopping around the dark water spots because she obviously thinks they're treacherous. They're a hole or it's funny. It's sad to watch. Yeah, that's, that's some of the visual spatial that we see as, as I heard on one of your prior podcasts. Before I forget, I do want to say that I get a lot of mileage since we're talking about suggestions. I get a lot of mileage out of YouTube. Yes, it has to be a bigger screen, but you can even, you know, hook that up to a top television right so you know cute kittens ducks and just cute little animal antics i get lots of mileage out of that i love bird feeders let's go look when someone's maybe having a hard day let's go look at the bird feeder maybe we need to add some more seed and oh look at the sparrows and aren't they adorable um and then we talked just for a moment about art but doing art is not maybe not for your mama i don't know but it's an option we have a art program here. It's called Memories in the Making. And I have a beautiful piece that I bought a few years ago from someone. I wish I could show it to you. I'll send you an email. But it's a beautiful, uh, has lots of vibrant colors. And it looks like a, a garden. And it's full of life and energy. And she called it a fruitful life. Oh, neat. And this is painted by someone with moderate disease who, who you know had challenges and bad days and 
you know, all kinds of disappointments. And yet she painted this beautiful painting and she called it A Fruitful Life. And I also, before I forget Savvy, we, uh, we know that um, we can't offer Savvy everywhere, that there's rural areas, and there is a Tele-Savvy being launched. It's part of research right now. Ken Hepburn and his team are doing research to see if it is effective. Again, evidence-based. <laughs> so uh, that's something that maybe your listeners could Google if they're interested in taking Savvy, but um, they live in more rural areas. Well, that's kind of like me. We're we're almost we we were rural many decades ago, and the savvy <laughs> caregiver class that was the first one they had out here. So um, I know I was talking to somebody. Oh, I think it was the gal that the substitute um, support group facilitator. She she's from an hour and a half away, which I think is insane. So she was saying, oh, well, they're going to have the savvy class again in X town. And everybody's like, oh, no, <laughs> too far. <laughs> it was like, I mean, it was almost like a collective. Nope. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I respect that. And, and uh, she, did, she did, too. And it's I mean, it's not that far. But like for me, I could probably manage it because mom is in a residence. But for people who are taking care of their person at home, there's no way it was, you know, it's probably close to an hour drive. So then you got the two yeah. hour class and then, you know, that's half a day. That's no, that was a definite nope. So we, they were very happy or the, you know, the chapter was very happy that the class they had out here in my town was really, it had a great attendance and it was very well received. So I'm sure we'll get more, but I was going to ask you if, if they were going to make a, like a webinar based version and I'm sure that's doable. You know, it is halfway through 2019 now. So well, well, savvy, tele-savvy, I believe, is just that. It's a webinar-type, you know, facilitators remote with people who are sitting in their homes kind of a thing. And we've also, we, the chapter, have also tried, uh, with varying success, like an all-day savvy. So the caregiver takes six hours, and I know it's a lot, but you get a lot of good information, but it's all at once, so you're not traveling back and forth three times. We're, we're just trying to look at different ways to get people the information that we feel is really helpful. I think they asked us what we thought of a six-hour class, and most of us were like, yeah, no, <laughs> two hours is enough. <laughs> because after a while, it's just your brain doesn't absorb the information. That's true. Yeah, there's a lot. I completely agree. But, you know, I would do a six-hour versus not doing it, especially if I had learned about it when mom was in the earlier stages, although my dad was highly resistant to anything. Like I, I researched an adult day program for them because he had chronic illnesses and very little patience. And it didn't take very much with her to erode all of his patients. And he would snap at her and he would get very cross. And I'm like, they need time apart. She needs to be with people like her he needs time to be able to do whatever he needs to do or wants to do. And so I found a place and talked to them and I felt really good about it. So the next step was obviously to go and visit and he just threw on the brakes and I will never understand other than ego why he wouldn't even go look. 
You know, that's a whole other podcast. That's we talk true. about that too. That's true. One of my earlier ones was on the adult day program that's here in my town because they incorporate kids. There's a preschool and then an after-school program. So in the morning, they'll bring the preschoolers over for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. And in the afternoon, they'll do the same thing with the older kids, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. And the benefit that the kids get and that the seniors get is easy to imagine. But what was astounding to me was the benefit that, you know, maybe the sandwich generation person was getting, you know, the, the, the mom of the little kids, the kids are getting some extra grandparent time. And if you're taking care of your person, you know, like maybe your spouse the, you know, they're around kids and that really seems to perk up my mom, which I attribute to her being a mom and a grandma. And it's just, I was just astounded. And the title of that podcast is it takes a village because I thought that's what this is. It's a village. It's the little kids, the bigger kids, the seniors, you know, but the people who aren't even there, the, you know, the, the person holding that family together gets this tremendous amount of benefit too. And I was just like, I was very impressed with that program. I agree. Intergenerational programs, I think they're terrific. We need more of them. Yeah. Um, there's another one out here run by a church, but it's, um, it's, I don't believe it's intergenerational and it's been, it's been successful. So I know they're, they're good programs. One gal, her dad doesn't want to leave. So now they've had to get really super creative on getting him out, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which is a good problem to have, but mm -hmm. I don't know why my dad, you know, other than it was all the way across town and, you know, he would have been driving through quite a bit of school traffic. I mean, my parents' house is across the street from a school and to get to where this program was, they would have passed high school, a high school, an elementary school and a middle school and the junior college just to get there. So, you know, morning traffic, not so fun, but I don't, I never did understand that. Cause I know it would have been really good for both of them. And, you know, I wished he had found or looked for the Alzheimer's association earlier on. Cause I think it would have helped everybody. Cause I think he just between his health issues and her memory issues, I think he finally just gave up. Yeah. That's very unfortunate when we hear these cases about us, especially spousal it's all it's always hard but especially in the spousal relationship change is hard and there are there are so many reasons why and uh the primary caregiver who's a spouse um for whatever reason uh is hesitant or resists change essentially is what it boils down and again that's a whole nother topic that's true i find it really fascinating especially this month june my support group, I think there was about a 10 of us. It was a little lighter than normal. We've had as many as 30 in our group at one time, which is really... That's a big group. Yeah. It's, it's a big... <laughs> it was, I think it was only once that it was that big, but there was a lot of us. I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is terrible that there's so many people that need to be here. But the group that was at the meeting this month was all women. And we know that Alzheimer's and dementia affects women more than men. So I'm, I just seems like men don't reach out as much, which is unfortunate because I've learned so much. I joined the support group two months before I got the idea for the podcast. 
So I have that. I have all these great people that I talk to and I definitely would not be as at ease with dealing with my mom if I hadn't found you guys and then decided to share everything I was learning with the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's great that you're doing this. Uh, As I said uh, earlier, I listened to a couple of them. I, I uh, enjoyed what I heard. I I felt it was very accurate and important. So you keep up the good work. Keep up, keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you. And I will definitely make sure that, you know, there's links so people can find the Alzheimer's Association. I always put the 24-7 helpline phone number at the end so people can find that. Is there anything else you think somebody listening should know about before we go? I would just say broadly, uh, just just to reach out. Uh, uh, nobody should be doing this alone. What the data suggests is that people wait for a very long time, sometimes for a crisis, before they reach out. And, and that's just the worst time to, for us or anyone to be helpful. Reach out early, even if you, if you don't think you need any help or nothing can be done at this point, just to become informed. So the, the, truly, the earlier the better. Definitely. Because I've learned so much and I frequently think, man, I wish I'd known this sooner. <laughs> so... That's, that's definitely great advice. Well, I thank you for giving people the highlights of Savvy and hopefully the, the television, the, you know, the, the webinar television, uh, I forget what you called that. Um, Telesavvy. Telesavvy. There we go. Hopefully they get that launched soon because, you know, like I said, the, and, and you said, knowledge is power and it helps us. You know, if we're not fighting against their brain disease all the time, we're more at peace. And that's important. For everyone. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, thank you. And I, I look, I'm going to come over to the chapter one of these days and say hi to everybody. That'd be great. All righty. Well, you have a good Thank's afternoon. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. I want to remind you. If you need help right this minute, you have a question you need answered right now, you can contact the Alzheimer's Association 24-7 hotline. Their phone number is 1-800-272-3900. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday.